It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. That is right. It's time for today's LaneCast. And our guest is actually the voice you just heard, the voice of the introductions and the commercial breaks of the LaneCast. Farm broadcaster Susan Littlefield from the state of Nebraska will be our guest today. She will share some information and what she heard at the 22nd World Meat Congress that just wrapped up in Dallas, Texas. And it's going to be an interesting conversation of how other countries are viewing the United States in our current trade situation across the globe. Happy to have Susan Littlefield with us here today. Before we jump into our conversation with Susan, I would just like to encourage everyone to share their thoughts and ideas with us here at the LaneCast. If you want to learn more about a subject or you have a guest that would be a great addition and an informative spokesperson for the agriculture industry, make sure and drop us a note, whether that is on my Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster, or on my website, nordlandcommunications.com. And please tell your friends about the LaneCast. We want to grow this program and help inform all aspects of agriculture and consumers about what we do here in rural America. And we will be back with today's show with Susan Littlefield on this year's World Meat Congress held in Dallas, Texas, right after this message from Susan Littlefield. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other podcast apps. Now, back to the show. In that introduction from Susan Littlefield, the past president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, leads us to our conversation today with that very person from Nebraska, the Rural Radio Network's Susan Littlefield, who attended the 2018, the 22nd Annual World Meat Congress in Dallas, Texas. Susan, how are things going today? It is great. It's been a, it's been a fun, busy couple of days. It's definitely warm. I jokingly said I brought the Nebraska weather with me to Texas. Well, I'm sure they're happy that you brought some good weather from Nebraska down to Texas with you. And for the ranchers here in Montana and other western states, what is the World Meat Congress and what does it do and what's it stand for for meat producers here in the U.S.? Well, you know, it is an absolute opportunity for folks um, from the international perspective. There's over 700 that are in attendance at this meeting globally, and I, somebody next to me might correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd heard 48 countries are represented at the World Meat Congress. So if you want to learn more about the industry, what's been happening, how it's influencing from not only the science but from the producer standpoint, this has been the place to be the last couple of days. Now, before we started the broadcast today, you mentioned that it's been an interesting feeling attending this year's World Meat Congress. Uh, There's a lot going on with trade. What's that feeling like and what are other nations uh, feeling or saying about the U.S. with our trade situation? Yeah, you know, I mean, the theme, talking about trusting and trade, and, and when I walk downstairs during breaks and you hear the conversations amongst the attendees, that seems to be the water cooler talk, shall we say, and, and the need to have that face-to-face. And I even kind of joked with a couple of folks that I interviewed, said, boy, if we could just pull the political side out of all these trade negotiations, these trade discussions with a variety of different countries, and put producers and packers and, and buyers and you know consumers all at the table at the same time, I think we would get a lot farther faster. 
because we take out the politics of it. But I think there's some there's optimism, there's some frustration. Of course, with the latest announcements coming with the steel and aluminum tariffs, that definitely was the buzz yesterday and it continued, you know, into the Friday sessions. But I think, you know, they're enjoying the fact that they can sit down and talk to somebody from another country. And whether it's a producer talking to a producer, a buyer talking to a buyer, they all have the same common goal, and that is getting a good, high-quality piece of protein on the plates of consumers. So in terms of attendees, this is the World Meat Congress. So we have competitors in the meat industry. We have buyers in the meat industry that buy U.S. product. What are you hearing in terms from these attendees from other nations in terms of what is their take on the political environment in the United States and also how that is impacting possible trade with these other nations? And, you know, some of it isn't even isn't even verbal. It's it's the, the facial expressions as you bring up the topic, the roll of the eyes, the the, the piercing of the lips because they want to say something but know that, you know, it's, it's kind of crossing that fine line. But they know that things happen on on such a fast tweet, shall we say, in, in some aspects, that causes a you know a downfall and a, and a turnaround within what they're seeing and, and discussions on the trade side of it. And producers have been you know, I guess optimistic. I mean they they understand that this is how things have been working. This is how it's been for the last what, 18 months um, within this, and they know that there are areas that they can focus on, leave the politics out of it, keep the lines of communication going with the hopes that, that having those lines of communication there, once all these trade disputes are figured out, they can go back to what it is. That's the, that's the people. That's the person to person that's needed to make a trade deal. It isn't a politician sitting in, in Washington, sitting you know, in Canada, sitting in Mexico City, wherever. It's, it's those discussions that happen along the fence. Speaking of Canada and Mexico, two of the United States' biggest trading partners, you mentioned the term water cooler talk. What's the water cooler talk from Canada and Mexico and other nations surrounding the NAFTA renegotiations? There was the hope that it would be wrapped up a few weeks ago, and now it's going to be delayed due to the Mexican presidential election and the 2018 U.S. midterm elections. What are the talks around NAFTA there? Optimistic. They know that the work's being done. I mean, this wasn't created overnight, and so it's going to take time to get everything figured out. But they do know that there's those looming deadlines of trying to get it through our Congress before our midterm elections, trying to get things taken care of in Mexico with with their presidential election coming up. And and if this doesn't get completed, it was brought up yesterday um, during a news conference. If this isn't completed, then they got to have a transition team. So you're going to switch from from one group that's one working on NAFTA for how long and giving all your information over to a new team to help keep those negotiations going forward. So there might be some hiccups, but, you know, I had spent some time in Mexico uh, talking with producers, and they talked about the importance of what this pact has meant, and it turns more into a North American thing. This isn't, you know, three countries coming against each other. It's It's producers from all different sides of the borders with the same common goal in getting a product. You know, I talked to one cattle producer in Mexico that said without NAFTA in place, he would have been able to bring his two daughters back into the um, feedlot operation. Purchasing his grain from Iowa and Nebraska coming down the Kansas line, he said that's some of the best, high, highest quality feed that he's had. And his fear was, should that all get shut down, he's going to have to sell part of his operation. And he goes, how do you look at your daughters in the face and tell them they're fired? And that is an example, Susan, of the importance of trade and how one aspect of agriculture and where your product goes to impact so many different lives. 
And also, we are coming up on a year of open beef trade with China, and there's still a lot up in the air now with the tariffs and the trade situation with the world and with China. And there's a lot of cow-calf producers in the West that are excited about the market opportunity to send cattle to China. Chinese consumers are excited to consume U.S. beef and Montana beef, in fact. And there's still just a lot up in the air. Have you heard anything from any officials or representatives from China at this year's U.S. Meat Congress? We're still waiting. Um, they're they're all in their meetings and, and attending different sessions. And I've been told by some folks that there's a few of the folks from China that are planning to come up and Japan as well and, and talk if the interview time allows in their schedule just to give us their feel about what's going on. But you know that Asian market is such an open area for the beef industry. When I was talking to the folks from NCBA, they were talking how really they've got lots of areas to advance and expand in because the popularity of pork and chicken has always been there. And now these guys are getting a taste of beef and they're getting the taste of uh, more of a middle class economy and the money is there to be able to add some new proteins. So boy, they want to be there to make sure that it, it, that protein is beef being put on the plate and sending producers over there to give that face-to-face -face because that's what the Asian market is. That's From what they were telling me, that's what the Asian market wants. They want to see that producer. They want to be able to have that direct communication with how an animal is raised and, and be able to put a face to the product, shall we say. So hopefully things will continue to advance and they'll have those further opportunities. Now, Susan, fake meat. I cannot forget to talk about fake meat. It's a subject that is talked about at every kitchen table at the Stockyards Cafe and whatnot. What are you hearing around the term fake meat and the threat it could pose to the livestock industry? What is the World Meat Congress saying about fake meat? You know, it's the same frustration that they have with the labeling of milk, whether it's coming from an almond or, or a soybean. It's, unless it's coming from a mammal, you know, like like milk or like like beef or pork or chicken in the protein aspect, there's got to be some science behind it and knowing that if it's not a true meat, true milk product, it needs to not use the labeling of it. Now, taking a brief moment to remind everyone that coming up June 14th and 15th, the Montana Stock Growers Association will be hosting their mid-year meeting the Thursday and Friday, the 14th and 15th of June. As I mentioned, for more information on how to get registered today, just visit mtbeef.org. But I bring up the mid-year meeting of the Montana Stock Growers because fake meat will be discussed there. And a few ranchers that I've talked to uh, discussing fake meat, they say it's simple. We just need to tell our story and reach out to consumers about all aspects of the ranching lifestyle and how beneficial protein is to a healthy diet. So fake meat is an issue that the industry cannot just push aside and say, oh, it's going to take care of itself. Well, they say it's something you can't forget. You can't push it to the side, obviously, because it's here. It's being brought up in mainstream media. But pretty much that same feeling. Just tell your story, letting folks know how the product is raised, that it's raised, you know, whether it's it's grown on out on grass or in a feedlot, that it's a live, breathing, living animal, not something that was developed in a test tube and is grown in a lab. 
Now from fake meat to the weather, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask a fellow agriculturalist, a farmer, rancher, how the weather was in your region. Of course, you're in Dallas, but in your home state in Nebraska, what's the weather been like and what's the attitude of feeders there in your region? Well, for first off, it's been an absolutely, it's been an interesting spring to start out with. We had um, some cooler temperatures, we had some rain, some producers not able to get in the fields, and we were definitely far behind for a while, and they were worried about, you know, the pastures growing, they were worried about getting the crops in the ground, but as of now, I mean, things are looking really good. Now, we've had a couple on and off weeks of some very warm temperatures um, and set to hit 100 plus, but more rain is supposed to be, knock on wood, uh, coming through. So that's going to keep the crops green, keep those pastures looking good. And optimism. I mean, I think, you know, considering the state of what the economy is and the state of what the world issues are, the producers that I've spoke to in Nebraska, I mean, they know that there's hurdles, but they also know that one of their jobs is the Ag Secretary constantly pushes is, is feeding the world. So they would just like to be able to receive a good price for that product that is feeding the world. He's, and one said that's going to be the biggest hurdle getting over is to get folks to understand that we're bringing you a high-quality product. You being in feedlot country, I know there's probably some cow-calf producers up here in the northern plains and Rocky Mountain West that are interested to see if any feeders in that area are putting out prices for fall calves. Have you heard any bids? I'm assuming you haven't, but I need to ask that question. I have not, but I do know of a group and who likes to make a few purchases out of the state of Montana, and I look for it every year to the, in the fall for the Montana cattle sales that we have in our neck of the woods. So I haven't heard any numbers as of yet, but as soon as I do, I'm going to make sure I let you know. Well, I know I'm eager to see what prices are going to be for our family's little herd that we have. So I look forward to hearing some insider information from feedlot country on what cattle prices could be here this fall. And also, Susan, is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience here on the Lanecast today about your experience at the 22nd Annual World Meat Congress that was held in Dallas? Uh, Where can folks go for some of your coverage from this year's meetings? With the World Meat Congress, we've been posting uh, stories, both audio and video, of the interviews that we've done, and they'll be continued. I have uh, nine or ten more yet to edit and put up there, but all you have to do is go to ruralradio.com, and you will see the link and the logo for the World Meat Congress up on the top page. Just click on that. It'll take you to all the different stories and, and the comments that have been made, on whether it's talking NAFTA, whether it's talking to producers. I've got some cattle guys that we'll have on. Uh, later on yet today or over the weekend, hopefully to get them posted. But we'll also have the other side of the proteins. We've got pork producers talking about the exports and uh, the farm bills, some checkoffs, some things that are doing on consumer insights and how everybody seems to talk about the same thing. And that's having a good, consistent product that is you know, made right here in America to go globally to feed the world. A big thank you to my friend Susan Littlefield, the past president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting and agricultural broadcaster for the Rural Radio Network out of Nebraska. Susan, thank you for joining us here today. No problem. Thank you. And hey, if anybody wants to find some Nebraska buyers for those Montana calves, give me a call. I'll get you hooked up. I'm sure there's some folks that'll take you up on that offer too, Susan. And that will do it for today's Langcast. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Make sure and send us your comments and suggestions for future shows. We want to hear from you and also encourage your friends and family to subscribe and tune in to the Langcast where we talk about all things agriculture and the Western way of life. I'm Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. (laughs) 
Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.